0: For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello
1: and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's two up top this evening and that means lean the line from the front around the captain's armband is Cole. So, Cole, how have you been these past seven days?
0: Yeah, really good, thanks, Dan. You know, all's well in the world of Spurs at the moment. Um, so, looking forward to getting into this one with you guys again.
1: Fantastic. Unfortunately, James has been called away on a very late scouting trip. So, he's unavailable. But, fear not because making his return to the show tonight is Chris, better known as Spurs Logic on Twitter. Chris, it's, I think it's been a couple of months since we last spoke. So, how have you been during that time? And more importantly, are you looking forward to your second run-out of
2: the season? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Um had a good couple of uh, results, haven't we? And nice to see us quite high on the table. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to chatting this one through.
1: Top man. Right. Before we take stock of the next, sorry, not the next, the last seven days, shall I say, and all the other talking points from the past week, it's time for the hit segment. Tell us about yourself. Now, I think everyone stepped up to the plate, bar me. So, Carl, could you do me the honours of asking me the questions?
0: I certainly can, Dan. Uh, I think we're all looking forward to this one, seeing you on the other side, the other side of this for once. Yes, um, it makes um, a change. So we'll- Exactly, mate. So we'll kick off then, Dan. So when did you start supporting Spurs, mate?
1: OK, so I started supporting them around 1990, 91. That sort of just after the World Cup, because I was aware of Gaza and Lineker, but couldn't quite work out how international football and club football run parallel. And then it sort of twigged, and I saw them in Tottenham colours and the rest, as they say, is history. So really, I've got those two to blame.
0: Oh, Nice, mate. Nice. Good, good year to have started supporting the club as well that year. Um, and who was your favourite player growing up, then? OK, so for me, it would be David Ginola,
1: because that was the first season I started going to Spurs properly. I was 14, 15. That was in the Christian Gloss era. Now, I know it was a terrible season, but it just has this weird sort of, I don't know, like memories and romantic uh, sort of feel to it, because it was so bad. But at the time, you're sort of watching Ginola in a team of not great quality, and he was standing out to be absolutely amazing. So, yeah, Ginola just was a class apart at that time.
0: Great share, great share, as you say, yeah pure class player during that dire era for us, unfortunately. Um, and who's your favourite player in the current squad at the moment, Then,
1: Well, I think everyone's going to go for Kane, Son, Bale. And they are, you know, picks 1A, 1B, 1C. So that's fair enough. But I'll, what I would say, actually, is I actually like Eric Dyer. Now, it's not necessarily due to his talents. I think he's a talented player. But I just think he carries himself as a as a person really well. I just think he's likeable. And, you know, I think someone you can sort of relate to. And, you know, the kind of things he sees when he goes into the, the crowd and sticks up for his brother. You think, that's a man I can respect. So, I've got a lot of time for Eric Dyer.
0: Great answer. Great answer. Now, we've all got one of these players and we've had some great answers so far. So, which player have you always had a soft spot for, than Others might go, oh, yeah, well, outside the box. For me, Nico Cruncher. I just thought he was amazing in Tottenham Colours. And it's a shame that
1: Gareth Bale was as good as he was because then he sort of took his mantle. But for that sort of first season or two... When Cranchard was at Tottenham, I thought he was absolutely amazing. And he did sort of contribute a fair amount to sort of Harry's era. And we might get to that next week. But yeah, for me, Nico Cranchard.
0: Brilliant stuff. Yeah, he was a great player, actually. Very underrated, I think, in our colours, because he did a brilliant job when Harry signed him, as Harry does everywhere he goes, doesn't he?
1: Absolutely. So, yes, that's it. That's Tell Us About Yourself. For this week, I think that's probably it for now in terms of that segment. We might revive it in a few weeks' time, we might think of something else to keep us going in the sort of next few weeks and months to come. But that's it for now, and now let's do the social media bits so we can dissect last week and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Comedy Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media or on Twitter at underscore COM. Well, on all the major audio platforms, that's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let us know and we'll get it on there and we'll all be happy. So, Carl, thank you for asking me the questions there. It's time to switch seats like before and let's get down to business as always. So, again, it's a hard-fought win and, again, it's taking us to second in the Premier League. It's probably the same opening question as it was a week ago. So, it's not me being lazy, but, again, they all count in terms of victories, don't they?
0: Yeah, that's right. As you say, Dan, at the moment, it, it's kind of become a little bit of a current theme for us, isn't it? Where we come away on, on, on these Monday night pods, we're sitting there saying, well, it wasn't pretty. Um, you know, we, we need lots to improve on and lots we can work on. But at the same point, it's always better when you can come away from those games still saying, but we got the result. And that's the main thing, because, you know, I think we'd probably be in major meltdown if we were playing this way and not getting results, um, because obviously, say the football has been, you know, hasn't been great on the eye. Um, but I guess you know you then have to look at it and go, well, to be honest, we kind of West Brom, West Brom, um, and I'd much rather us do that than normally have them kind of sucker punching us in that sort of way that we did on Sunday and kind of derailing our season. So it was nice to kind of do to them what they've done to us over the years. Um, And as we say, at the end of the day, the win's the win. Um, We've got, we, we can improve and I think we know we will improve, but that result keeps the momentum going it keeps us going into that international break in good spirits um, and that's really all we can ask for at the moment in this topsy-turvy season so far
1: Chris, are these performances a consequence of the teams that we're playing? If you take into account you know, the likes of Brighton, West Brom Burnley, no real disrespect to them but there are tougher fixtures to come and you would think those tougher fixtures that we'll get to in a bit are going to be playing much more expansive football, so are we having to
2: sort of scrape because we can only scrape yeah, I think so. I mean, it, as as Carl said, it's not been particularly pleasant on the eye, but we've got the wins, and I think that's the key thing at the moment is keeping that momentum up. Um, we had a pretty poor result, didn't we, against Antwerp, And I think a lot of fans were panicking that that was kind of a return to the old Tottenham um, and going to you know going away there and, and really looking very very short in terms of quality on the ball, and and. Yeah, I think ultimately we, we, we've got we got results against teams that, like you say, they don't play the best football. They kind of make it a battle. They they want it to be physical. Um, and we got we got the points. And, and you could say, you could argue almost that, you know, potentially under Pochettino, we wouldn't have ground out those results. So, yeah, I think things are looking up under J's. So we're on a very good run in terms of actual results. The the football's not... Particularly pleasant to watch, as you say. But, yeah, I think we we can start to see the kind of structure of the team he's putting together as well. Carl, in terms of Premier League fixtures,
1: we've often referenced this block of four matches, haven't we? That's now come to an end. We also referenced how many points we'd like. Now, 12 would have been ideal, you know, dreamland. However, if someone offered you 10 at the start of those, you may have probably bitten their arm off, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, as you say, 10, yeah. We looked at this block and thought, well, okay, yet yeah, twelve is the ultimate. Twelve, 12 would be heaven, but ten—if you can only come away, you know, a couple of, you know, frustrating drop points—but at the same time, it, you know, it's given us a springboard, isn't it, to to keep this momentum going at the moment um, and keep things going well. We're, we're there, we're in there with a shout. It's only eight games played, we know, so we we shouldn't get too excited but you know what, you're better off being where we are right now than being somewhere just down the middle of the table and drop lots more points. Um, Unfortunately for us, I think we're going to have to get used to this. Um, I think the Southampton game has kind of probably alerted teams to the sort of danger that we can cause. And we're now, if you like, seeing teams who, you know, if they don't feel brave enough to come and attack us, then we know they are going to turn around and say, well, listen, that, that's just sit in here because the one thing you can't do or afford to do against a Spurs side is play a high line because we've got Son, Bow, Kane, Mora, Bergwijn, those sorts of players. The minute you push up, we've got you know the ability that we've got to break and counter those teams. We are going to now see more teams sitting back against us and saying, "Well, listen, they're going to struggle to actually play through us." So don't give them the easy goal by pushing a high line um, and, and just sit deep. So that, that's coming back to haunt us, and we're going to have to find a way to kind of start breaking teams down that want to do that. But as you say, ten out of twelve, you take that all day long. And if we can continue this sort of form and the run that we're on, we're in under Jose, then you'd like to think that come the end of the season, hopefully will be there or thereabouts and at least fighting for minimum top four.
1: Well, Chris, when you consider the win yesterday, that's now seven unbeaten in the league, haven't lost since the opening weekend of the season. Also, with that being the longest run thus far, does that sort of breed confidence into the international break? I know we have to sort of, unfortunately, press the pause button for two weeks, but it's much better to go into that period on a win, on a high, looking forward than you've had a bad result against West Brom, you've got two weeks to stew over that. And it creates a bit of an exit spiral. So we're on the up and up in that mindset, aren't we?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it was was really key to get some positive results on the board in this block of fixtures because you look at what's coming up in November and December and we we really are up against some really quality sides. Um, Going back to what you mentioned a second ago, I think that could also kind of suit us in a way because we do seem to struggle against the sides that sit back and want to make it a battle and they put in the low block and they're coming almost for a a nil-nil draw and they're they're saying to us right you know come and beat us if you want to and we have struggled to break that down so looking forward I know we're playing better quality teams you know Manchester City we've got uh, Chelsea coming up and Arsenal as well I'd say better quality for them but yeah (laughs) Um, I think it's important to notice that we we generally perform better, I think, against these bigger sides and, and the sides that kind of come on, come out and attack us. Because we've got the pace to get behind now. We've got some. We've got Bale who started as well. And with Kane pulling the strings, it's just... It is exciting to watch when we're on the break. You do feel like we can score whenever we go forward. So, for me, I think it's good to take stock of this sort of initial block of fixtures. We've got the two-week break now to kind of reset and, and really look towards setting ourselves up for the right you know the right way to approach these next set of games yeah I think
1: come the end of this what next six seven eight matches that's going to be a true measure of where we hope to be in the business end of the season so with that in mind Cole, are we in something of a shall we say false position ever so slightly because we haven't really been tested in terms of opposition we played Man United so that's probably our one test out the first eight does that sort of Leading to the fact that, yes, we're second, but there's so much more to come. We can't toot our horns too much. Or really, you can only beat what's in front of you.
0: No, I, I think, you know, we, we can be really pleased with the start because I think we, we said a few weeks back, didn't we, Dan, that, you know, after that first game and leading up to that first game against Everton, we wasn't particularly that hopeful of having possibly, you know, a great season, were we? You know, I think we were all sitting there kind of going, what sort of season are we going to have? You know, how are we going to play? And then after that first game, we kind of sit in there and I think, you know, a lot of us had had the wind taken out of ourselves thinking, well, we'd just been beaten at home in the first game. And again, we were pretty poor in that game. So there wasn't, the confidence wasn't that high. And we've kind of bounced back from there. You know, we made the signings that we needed to. Um, we've gone and played some, I think, you know, when we look at the sides we've played, you know, Southampton, when you look at the way they've started this season at home, yeah. I think we can look back in that and go, well, that was a great result. And especially when you consider how the first half of that game had gone, because we, we were second best by a country mile in that first half and probably lucky to still even be in the tie at that point. So, all of a sudden, from that second half onwards, you sit there and go, well, wow, you know, we've really kicked on. And, you know, again, the United game, even with 11 men on the pitch, we were tearing them apart at will when we wanted to. Um, I think the real frustration for us is going to be, you know, the, the drop points against Everton, the drop points Newcastle, and then obviously West Ham. because. When you then take stock, you sit there and think, well, we should be well ahead at the moment. We should have a nice little gap, actually, at the top of the table. So I think we have to be reasonably pleased and say, well, we've done well enough to be where we are. And we're very consistent. And so far this season, we've seen that that's the one thing no one's been. You know, no one has been consistent. So we're there with the consistency, which I think is a good thing. I think we've faced a couple of reasonable challenges and come through them. But I think, as we say, this next run of games, I think we really will see where we sit because then we are going to come up against, if you like, the powerhouses who, you know, it will, it will tell us, are we really in with a shot at this title? Because if City, if, you know, if City come and blow us away and then we can't pick nothing up against Chelsea away or maybe, you know, and then maybe struggle to beat Arsenal or get something from the Arsenal game, you can start sitting there and then fears will come back of, well, actually, can we do it when we need to? Has Jose been able to change the mentality of, the, so, you know, the bottle of tag and not doing it when we need to? So I think, you know, those the, these ties will really tell us where we are. But I think we can sit in and say, well, we should be pleased with this start because I don't think any of us saw it coming after that first game.
1: Well, no. I mean, if you look at the pre-season poll we did, I think the general consensus was a top six finish with the score we had at the time. Then you lose to Everton. Like you say, the wind has gone. You're sort of thinking, I don't know how we're even going to get top eight with Leicester and Wolves and all that. It's like we were really low. Things are sort of really changing for the better. So, Chris, with that in mind, let's get to the start of the new year, 2021 and all that. Where would you like to see Tottenham in the league? Obviously, the obvious answer is top, but from a wider sort of picture, thinking... Are we genuine contenders? Is it better for Tottenham to, to lead the the pack? Is it then better to be underdogs to a certain degree and sort of
2: be the chasing team? What do you think should happen? Um, well, I, I think leading the pack would be a dream. I don't think we'll be. I don't think we'll be in first place. Let's put it like that. I don't think we've got, uh, you know, the, the run of fixtures we've got are, are, are very challenging. So I would be surprised if we were top. Let's say that. I think. I think. If we if we're in the top four come January the first and the, and the gap to first place is you know a handful of the points you know five six points let's say I think we're in a really good position and by that point we'll have obviously got through the remaining Europa League stage uh, group stages we'll have been to the Carabao Cup uh, semi final potentially so by the by January the first we could be sitting quite pretty I think okay Carl let's get our crystal ball out
1: if we are sitting relatively pretty at the start of the year as Chris says let's say five points off the top. Do you reckon there's a little bit more money in the kitty for one other name to help us get over the line?
0: Yeah, real interesting one, that, isn't it, Dan? Because, you know, we've been in great positions before when January's come around, haven't you? And we've all thought, wow, you know, if we just go and invest, you know, maybe buy one or two now, it could push us on. Um, I don't actually see too many changes coming now. I think we've kind of got a balanced squad. If anything, come January, I think there might be some outgoings, um, and that might be it. Because I don't think Joe says one for possibly chopping and changing his side too much. The only thing we could see, maybe. Um, Like say, yeah. I was going to say the centre half, a centre half coming in, but I think with Rondon coming in, I think that's done now. So yeah, I don't see too many changes to be honest, apart from outgoings, where I think you could look at the likes of someone like Deli Ali possibly taking a loan somewhere and getting himself away. Um, I think Jose is probably quite happy with his squad now, and I think they've actually made a conscious effort to get him the squad he wants. To, to go straight away and from pretty much the off, he's got the side he wants and the squad he wants to work with for the season. Unless you're obviously seeing, you know, a real obvious deal come around that you think, well, wow, you know, you can't turn this down. It's hard in January, given the money that teams will want for certain players. So I, I think we'll probably just keep this squad we've got um, because we have got the depth now that we've always wanted, really.
1: Yeah, I think you're right in the sense that there's the blueprint. There's the toys, Jose. Off you go. Go and play. And now you're sort of thinking, what really could you add, which improves what we've got in January, which is always a difficult time to get value or talent that you really need. So I think we'll probably be settled in that aspect. Talking about being settled, though, Chris, it was a bit unnervy at uh, the Hawthorns yesterday. Mm-hmm. That said, we did come through in the end.
2: It's always quality that sees you through. Yeah, absolutely. I think we didn't play well, I think. A lot of fans were sat on Twitter and, and around social media bemoaning the kind of way we've played and way we approach the game and thinking it was just going to be a drab, kind of nil-nil draw. And to be honest, I was in that group myself as well. And I think there was a couple of moments of quality where you look at the chance Son had in the first half that was, you know, how many touches does he want to take in that, in that second... That he sort of had two or three seconds to put the ball in the net and he didn't want to do it. And it was... One of those where you thought, oh, that's going to be our only kind of clear-cut chance. We weren't really kind of cutting through them as we normally do. They weren't committing too many bodies forward. And and then there was panic stations, of course, when Dyer cleared it off the line. Um But yeah, Doc Doherty's cross, I think, when you look at it in isolation, it's quite a strange pass to play. He's quite deep and kind of, he's tucked inside a little bit and he's just kind of punting the ball into the box. And it's one of those where... If it had just flowed straight into the keeper's hand, you'd be thinking, you know, what are you doing? What are you wasting the ball like that for? But it was bang on the money. Kane was there and it's, you know, you know, when he's in that situation, he's just not going to miss. Absolutely. And credit to Doty, because we
1: spoke about him last week and sort of asking questions about his start to the season. And I think he had a much better game yesterday. But, Carl, if we refer back to that sun chance, is that a typical example of a player having too much time to make a decision?
0: Yeah, it's really, it, that, that for me really surprised me with some. Because it's unlikely is isn't it? Yeah, he's very decisive normally um, in that position. So as soon as, you know, Undenbele managed to get that pass to him, you're sitting there thinking, well, this is it, you know, in the form he's been this season. Hopefully this is going to be 1-0. And then the great thing about that would have been if we got that first then then obviously, you know, West Brom have got to try and open up a little bit to at least try to get something out of the game. And then the game obviously can change. I think, you know, he obviously takes one more touch than he probably needs to. And then the ball kind of just gets stuck under his feet a little bit. Then he's got to get it out of his feet again. And then we saw by the time he takes a shot, I think there's about five West Brom bodies back behind the ball waiting for it. It wasn't a great shot either, to be honest. When he does get the shot away, I think he's actually going wide if you look at it. Um, so very unlike him, and especially this season. I think obviously sometimes though, Son is a very frustrating player, isn't he? Because when he's on when he's on fire, there's no one better in Europe, you know. For me, you know, when he is on fire, he's brilliant. He can have this tendency though that when he's not when when he's not on the ball, you suddenly get a very frustrating player to watch who. You know, sometimes you can sit and go, but well, he's gone missing for large chunks of this game. Uh, but that was unusual from him yesterday. I thought, as soon as I saw it, I thought, well, this is it, 1-0. Sonny won't miss from there. So, we just have to hope he gets that one out of his system um, and, and gets his shooting boots back on uh, going forward after this international break.
1: Yeah, I mean, Chris, if you look at Son, I think certainly his worst performance in Spurs Colours this season that said, he's had such a good start and Tottenham won. You can almost absorb that. It's not the biggest crisis. As Cole says, though, there is dangers where he's in a purple patch then he has a bit of a streak where he's not so
2: hot. So, are we hoping this is just a one and done? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I agree with what Carl said. I think he's a He's an impulse player, really. I think he's, he's better when he's kind of only got one sort of shot available to him. You know, he, he took that chance. He took the ball down for that chance and, and he decided to put it onto his left foot, which I've always thought was his weaker foot. And, and he took so long to do it. By the time he did it, he ended up shooting wide and straight into a, a West Brom player. But, yeah, I think he is he is a form player. He needs his confidence up to be at his best. I remember, you know, I remember last season where he was going for a bit of a, a, a lean spell for goals and, it does affect the rest of his game. He's not as direct. He's not as energetic. He doesn't make the same sort of runs. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think he did okay. It was one of those, excuse me, it was one of those performances where he was shooting where he should have passed a lot and he was passing where he should have shot. And it was, again, from a fan's perspective, you're just, you're just hoping that one of them goes in eventually. I mean, even Regulon was taking shots on his behalf at the end of the game. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope it is a... Just a one-off, and I hope he's back in form for the you know the big games we've got coming up because I think it's 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 going to be games that are quite suited to his direct style, and, and obviously Kane playing the balls through and, and Bale coming in now, I think he's only going to keep scoring.
1: Well, this is it. If you want him to have a bad game, you had to pick one out of the say the next eight. You'd rather have it at West Brom against of uh, Liverpool, City, Arsenal, etc., etc. So yeah. hopefully. There is method to the madness, although there was sort of madness in terms of his decisions, as you say, Chris, like he was just doing things back to front yesterday. So a strange performance. But, Cole, towards the end, it was, I guess, a case of the kitchen sink being thrown, the Alamo, if you will. Now, it wasn't the subs that won the game, but they certainly gave Tottenham a bit more urgency that was lacking in the first half.
0: Yeah, they they certainly did. And and that's what we've been crying out for, isn't it? Especially being able to suddenly bring a second striker on who can suddenly go up top with Kane and kind of pull a defence around a little bit more. And obviously the hope always was going to be as well that, you know, if you can tie a side like you know, West Brom out who are not used to so far that Premier League intensity for ninety minutes, then the hope always was you can bring some subs on and start overloading them. Which right, you know, towards the end we started suddenly getting better positions. We had overloads on, you're putting the ball into dangerous places and you know, from where you were sitting there saying maybe for seventy minutes, seventy five minutes of the game, you couldn't see, you know, you couldn't pick one team who was going to win it. That last little stretch, we were kind of on top and you thought, well, yes, OK, you know, we're now coming into this. We are going to be finish the stronger side. And hopefully, we were hoping that would lead to getting that goal. And eventually, thankfully, we managed to find the right ball, find the right man in the right area. But it does just go to show you that if you've got the players that you can bring on in those right positions, it suddenly does help you maybe get over the line in these games that are really tight where when we didn't have them, we'd probably see that out as a nil-nil draw in the end and come away thinking, well, actually, we'll probably look back on that game as missed opportunities and missed points. Now we've at least got some options we can bring on to help us stretch teams. And it shows that you can turn one of those drop points into actually gaining all three points.
1: Yeah, let's be honest. If it was just Lucas as your plan B, and not to throw him under the bus, but if that was your only roll of the dice you had yesterday, you are coming away from the Hawthorns with a scrappy draw and you're really annoyed and this podcast takes a much moodier tone. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. So it's nice to have those options. And of those options, Chris, Vinicius, what did you make of his offering? Because it was only 12 minutes or so, but in that time, he certainly managed to test the fingertips of Sam Johnston in the West Brom goal. So there's a sense that he's certainly starting to grow into Tottenham colours now.
2: Yeah, I think he I think it was promising. I think he was one of the ones that I felt got a little bit hard done by in the Europa League game with the, with the four substitutions. I think he he did play all right. He he had a he had a one on one chance that he could have obviously scored, but, you know, he's still finding his feet and he's it was on his weaker foot as well, I think. But yeah, you know, I think he could I think when he came on he, he did well. He held the ball up really well. He was battling with the centre halves, which is kinda of allowing Kane to drop off and find that space in the in the dangerous areas. And he, like you say, he had a, he had quite a good uh, good strike on him, quite a good strike into the bottom corner that, that the keeper made a very good save to him. And obviously Hoyberg's just stood right next to him in an offside position. But um, I thought he was going to be tapped in this for a very split second. But uh, yeah, I think it was positive. I would like to see, I don't know when, but I would like to see Vinicius and Kane play up front together um, for, I don't know, potentially a maybe a Europa League game. I don't know, just to see how it works. Because I think it could be quite... It could be quite sort of fruitful in the in the long run. If we do need to go really direct, really long and we're chasing a game. I think they just need to have a bit of time to play together and, and get that understanding. But overall I think it was a good twelve minutes. It's not long to affect the game, but I think he
1: did okay. Yeah, it's nothing more than a cameo, but in the twelve minutes we saw, certainly promising. So Carl, in terms of an eleven, do you think that is the strongest eleven? Now that's not necessarily the best eleven players we have. In the Tottenham squad, but if you're picking from 1 to 11 in terms of your players, is that what you'd be picking as the ultimate strongest?
0: I think that's pretty close, isn't it? Yeah. I have to say, you know, when we looked at that lineup um, yesterday, you know, we finally got to see, you know, the front three we wanted to see. Um, the back four, you kind of felt, was probably what Jose is going to go with from the start, you know, with Larice in goal. Oh. I... For me, I'd probably say the only change I think we can see possibly that would have made a difference to our starting eleven might have been Lo Celso on the pitch um, at some point. But I think that's probably the only change that you would then look and go, well, yeah, I don't see how we, you know, for me that is probably a side. That if I was picking now with everyone fit, that's my eleven that I'd put out and want to see play. So as you say, it was good to actually see that because I think you know there might be there might be slight tinkers with that. But I think if you saw that most weeks, you'd be sitting there going, yep, yeah, strongest 11, we're going for this. And I don't see too many changes that would, would change that in all honesty.
1: Yeah, as you've identified, the thing, the one change really is the Celso-Sissoko. But I still think the Celso lacks a bit of sharpness. There's something just missing still. Now, I don't know if it's chicken and egg that you can't get sharp without the minutes and without the minutes you can't get sharp, Chris. So how do we solve this problem?
2: Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I, I do feel as though when when Ndoumbéle and Lo Celso were signed, you, you always felt that Lo Celso was going to play the number ten role, and Ndombele would play in the in the eight alongside sort of Hoyberg and, and sit and and be that transition player. But for the various reasons, you know, fitness issues, and then on the on does doesn't look like Jose fully trusts him just yet to do that sort of sitting role, and that's why Sissoko is coming into the team. He's then been pushed forward into Gio's position. So it's a tricky one. I do think eventually they will start playing together. I think Hoyvier is obviously the, the sitting player. And those two then can just have the license to kind of push on. And they'll probably be linking up with Kane in that, in that kind of pocket behind the front two of Earl and Son when, when we're attacking. I do also think that for me personally, I think this season it's still quite close between Doherty and Loria which I didn't think I would be saying at the start of the season. Um, Ori, I think, this season has really upped his game. I think he's been quite reliable, which, again, I didn't think I'd be saying. But Doherty, he's OK. He's hit the ground running to a degree. And obviously, he, he set the winning goal yesterday. I'm still not 100% convinced of him defensively, one-on-one. So, yeah, that's the kind of area that I, I would go back to that at an earlier point just say that's the strongest team for me. I'd probably swap Aurier for Doherty.
0: A sensational reveal there. But you're right, though. No, I have (laughs) have to admit, though, Dan, I I kind of agree with that. I I really, in these last couple of games, I think we've really missed the attacking option that Aurier gives us on the right. And And it's only become quite evident that you actually go, well, wow, you know, Aurier actually gets himself into some really good attacking positions and gives us that ball out on the right. Now, whether he's changed that with regulon Regulon there, and he wants him to get forward more. You know, we know he likes to see this fullback push into a centre-back. But I do have to say at the moment, my, I'm still 50-50 on whether I want to see Doherty play or Aurier. And, and again, who thought we'd be saying that this season?
1: No, absolutely not. But also, who thought we'd be seeing Gareth Bale this season? So, finally, the three were unleashed, weren't they? Kane, Sun, Bale. To be honest, though, Cole, the some of their parts was a little bit underwhelming yesterday, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, again, the recent performances, haven't it? You know, I, I'm still, I still don't think we've seen anywhere near the best of Gareth Bow, You no. know, I have to say, you know, he, he, people are saying, "Oh, he's doing better. He's coming on. This is looking more promising." I'm still a little underwhelmed by what I've seen so far, but we know, obviously, he's trying to get his fitness back, get into the side and start getting regular football again. We know he's a class player and we see the odd touches here and there where you go, "Yep, that's really nice. That's going to be great. But he still has a tendency for me to suddenly go missing for large chunks of games where you're thinking, "Well, well, you wouldn't even know Gareth Bowles on the pitch at the moment. But in a game like yesterday, I think for the whole front three and some recent performances, you could say, well, because the team haven't played well, um, it kind of looks you know they kind of do stand out as not doing what they've been doing as well, especially if teams are going to play that low block. Because, as I say earlier, you know, the one thing we're really suffering from is that when teams do want to sit deep, we really struggle creatively um, to create things because we we still lack that creative spark in the centre of the pitch. Um, Those three really want to exploit a team that are going to commit suicide and push high up, give them the space to do stuff. So we're still waiting to see it click properly. We know it will, you know, someone like Bao, he just needs those minutes and and get building, build up, get his fitness where it wants to be. I still think certain times I get the impression he doesn't want to exert himself too much in case of an injury. You know, you see him possibly chasing people or moving into position and you think he doesn't look like he's moving that freely. I sometimes think maybe he just doesn't want to push himself too much and suddenly get injured and then he's back to to the start and and we're all in crisis because he's injured. So I do think, you know, he's still waiting to explode. Um, But the front three have been quiet. But again, we are going to have to find a way where when teams do sort of put that low block in and want to sit back, we kind of find more avenues to kind of create a little bit more because they do look like they're not really doing much when teams do that. But obviously we know, I don't think there's a better front three in the league right now than what we've got. So I'm I'm happy because I think we'll cause more problems than than teams will give us.
1: Well, Chris, if we look at Bale's, shall we say, trajectory of performance, are things sort of shaping up to say, I don't know, February, March, then it really explodes? Because that's really the time where the final push, the final third of the season, hopefully you're in a cup, maybe even a Carabao Cup final. That's probably the sweet spot for him to get going,
2: isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, like as Carl said, it's it's game by game. He obviously started yesterday, which was nice. That's kind of the final step, I think, in it's kind of rehabilitation from that knee injury he had. Um, he, he does drift in and out of games, but again, like Carl said, I think that's just because he's conscious. He, you know, one bad twist of his his knee again, or something like that. Under a tackle, he doesn't need to make necessarily, and that could be it for three a month, three four months. Do you know what I mean? So yeah i think every every game that he plays is going to obviously help him and then in the back of my mind i'm thinking oh is he going to kind of just bobble along and you know not get the goals and assists we want and then he's going to really come good at a key moment for us in the in a final for example or later in the end of the, at the end of the league campaign where we need a goal desperately to keep ourselves in the running and he pops up with a bit of quality to kind of win us a game so I just think he's he's always got that bit of quality. He's a great player. He's he's obviously not 100% yet. So, yeah, I just think it's patience with him, as Jose said all along. Take it game by game. See how he performs. He could easily have had a goal, you know, against West Ham. I think a fully fit Bale does tuck that away from probably about eight yards out, wasn't it? But, yeah, let's see, let's see how he is over the kind of coming games against the top-tier opposition. Well, on this
1: show, we always say points over performance, don't we, Carl? So let's sort of use that as a frame for bail. Is it a case more of moments over numbers that, yes, we'd love him to get 10 goals, 10 assists, be flying week in, week out. But if they don't lead to anything in the grand scheme of things, i.e. a trophy or the top four, they're not for nothing, but they obviously don't hold as much value. If we take Chris's logic that, you know, he pops up with a cup final winner in the Carabao Cup final. He wins the goal that wins us the Premier League. That's probably worth a lot more, even if it's only his second, third goal of the season.
0: Yeah, and I think we're going to have to accept that because obviously, you know, we we know the Gareth Bale left us. And I think the one thing we always have to kind of pull ourselves back from is remembering that this is not the same player that left us all those years ago to go to Madrid. You know, he's not going to be picking the ball up from the fullback and running the full length of the pitch, taking people on at pace he's he's not that player anymore. So, like you say, he may flit in and out of games. What we're really hoping for this season is his experience and know-how and suddenly maybe just being in the right position at the right time, like at, say, Brighton. You know, when it's tight, it's, you know, we're not looking great he suddenly might just pick up a place and say, "Okay, if I move here now, then I think I'll get an opportunity. And then we're relying on his quality. And we're still seeing that at times. You know, there was a couple of touches yesterday, and there has been in all of his games where he makes some good layoffs. He brings the ball down nicely, lays someone in. And I think we just have to remember we're going to see a different Gareth Bale to the one we had when he was with us last time. And as you say... I think we will eventually see that he may not be sprinting down the wing very often, but he will be having a bigger impact by just the right ball at the right time, getting in the right spot to slot one away. Um, And I think as yet, you know, he's had a couple of attempts, but we're still waiting to see one of them Gareth Bale free-kicks yet, aren't we? Um, And I think he's desperate to pull one of them off. But as you say, if we don't see that flying the flying player down the wing, I'm quite happy if we see an overhead kick in the top corner in the UEFA <laughs> <your> Open League <laughs> final um, that wins us it. And then I'll say, well, he was worth all the money.
1: Absolutely. So, Chris, there's a photo go around Twitter at the moment with Bale with some heavy strapping. Is that nothing more than precaution? Because I think all players that come off have that kind of ice pack scenario or are the international mind games already beginning.
2: <laughs> I I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest, I think it is really? kind of art game well, yeah, I think it is the kind of like you say that the the game uh after game care, the the protection just to make sure that there is any kind of swelling or anything that that's dealt with. But as Jose said, there's an Arsenal fan, isn't there, in the in the in the Wales camp and he's very nervous about sending Bale off to uh friendlies and yeah let's just say he might get pushed a little bit further than he is being at Spurs but um, I think there is a little bit of my games I don't read too much into it because I know that Joey has obviously got um, the club best you know the best interest of the club at heart Bear was inevitably going to go on international duty I think much like when we bemoan that like Kane's going when he doesn't look 100% fit he's always going to go so for me it's just about yeah making sure that they wrap him up in Cotton wool and bring him back and we can we can get into the bigger games for us when Wales really have got well they got a couple of friendlies, I think. Maybe one nations league game. But yeah, I don't think it's anything to really into too far.
1: Well you mentioned Harry Kane and International Duty, so before he swans off, let's talk about his goal scoring output for Tottenham. hundred and fifty in the league, two hundred and one in total. So let's focus on his league numbers. Carl, I carried out a legally binding poll yesterday to ask Twitter if he'll hit two six one and beyond. And get the all-time Premier League record for himself. So, 173 people were kind enough to vote. Thank you for that. 81.5% have said yes, he will. What's your opinion?
0: Yeah, I, I think he will. You know, I think we are looking at the player who will next, you know, um, take that mantle on and take that record because he, he's still got the years in him. I think we've also seen that he's a player that can adapt his game. And I think even if he adapts his game where he suddenly starts dropping a bit deeper, he'll still be scoring the sort of goals and enough goals to be able to get himself to that record. Now, whether he'll reach that record fully as a Spurs player completely, who knows? That That's to be seen. You know, we all all hoping he does reach that in the Spurs shirt. Um, but I think even if he doesn't achieve that in for us, I think he's still going to be here and manage to get those goals and then, obviously, you know he'll be the player that everyone in futures chasing and trying to beat because you know the guy is class, and and I can't see him not breaking that record at the moment.
1: Yeah, it'd be pretty naff though if he breaks it in Man United colours. Yes, yeah, two right. six one.
0: He's, he's one season. You know, <laughs> exactly. The, the season he does it, and he's in another team's colours. Will be pretty gutty, yeah, won't that, it? So let's that that hope, hope that doesn't happen.
1: No, let's hope not. So Chris, if we do the maths, he's on one hundred and fifty. Let's assume a decent amount of goals this season. Let's say. At least ten, or he gets ten this season, and he's on 160 from where he is now. So that would leave him with 100 to go. Let's split that over the next four seasons to follow. 25 goals a season while he's still in his prime. Do you think that's doable?
2: <laughs> I think he's got a lot of work to catch Shearer. To be honest, I think uh, I think he's naturally going to start to decline at some point. I, I would of course love to see him do it. I mean, 25 goals a season doesn't sound unreasonable for someone like Harry Kane because. He does it so every season the one season wonder just keeps delivering doesn't he so i wouldn't put it past him at all but i feel like it might just be just out of reach it's, it's just coming a little bit too late i'm sorry to be the, the downer on this one no, no, it's <laughs> but, all <right>. um, yeah <laughs> i think i think he'll probably end up second well, i just think th- sure it's just that one bit too one step too far
1: okay let's look at it another way then carl because Four seasons is just an arbitrary time frame that I put on it, only because that's what you consider the end of his peak, say. If he becomes the ultimate one-club man, he could be here for another eight seasons. And then you're only really looking at an average of 15, 12. You know, your numbers could diminish to, to trickle down towards the end. So you could have like three or four good seasons and just crawl over the line. So does a lot of it depend on whether he stays at Tottenham for the long haul?
0: Yeah. And again, you know, I guess in the Premier League, if he continues and stays in the Premier League, given the fact that how fit these guys are nowadays and how you know they can prolong their careers by doing certain things. And as you say, I think Harry's one of those players we've seen. He could drop deeper um, so he doesn't have to be that spearhead up front. So not only will he score goals, we will put some assists in. So like as you say, as long as he stays fit, I guess the one major worry for someone like Harry would be his injuries and those ankles. Because, you know, if he is going to stay in his prime, you know, say like you say, we've got four or five more years of him in his prime up top. Can, you know, will that take its toll on him and and cause him problems where he has to suddenly start dropping a bit earlier than certain players would because he can't take that on his ankles anymore? That, I guess, is the only thing that could stop him. But if he can stay fit, I think he's got enough about his game where he doesn't necessarily have to be up top on his own, um, causing problems. He can drop deeper. He's clever enough to be, he'll always find positions. You know, he's very Rooney-esque, isn't he? In the fact that he's got that more to his game. So if he stays fit and stays in the Premier League, I, I, I can see him just doing it. It won't be, it'll be very close and it might only be by, say, two goals. But I think as long as he can stay fit and stays in the Premier League, I think he can beat that record. And Chris,
1: staying on Harry Kane now, it seems that everyone's queuing up to have a snipe. Step up, Stan Collymore. More comments that, yes, he will probably get the Premier League record in his opinion, but he lacks the X factor of a Robbie Fowler, Alan Shearer, Ian Wright. Is this a sign where Kane's becoming too good and everyone's queuing up for their pound of flesh?
2: Yeah, I think so. It's one of those, isn't it? I think if, if the guy does get the record, he's still going to be put down by you know rival fans and, and pundits as well. Just because he's ours and I think everyone really doesn't like the fact that he's playing for Tottenham Hotspur. That's the sad thing. But I do think that when you say he doesn't have the X factor I don't really know what more they want from the man. Do you know what I mean? He, he scores all types of goals. He's now starting to assist on a, on a crazy level. What, what more do you want from a striker? Do you know what I mean? Maybe he's not banging them in from 40 yards every week, but he's scoring from the halfway line on the, on the odd occasion. Um, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what else they want in terms of X Factor. It's
1: a nonsense comment, really, Carl. I think, really, it's Colin Moore just trying to stay relevant, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think this is the problem we have sometimes, don't you? You're looking for one of these commentators or pundits who suddenly is very quiet and suddenly thinks, OK, how can I get, my, how can I get everyone talking about me? Um, and then they come up with some of these daft statements like he doesn't have the X factor and all that. You know, listen, Harry Kane is probably one of the best strikers in world football right now, if not the best. You know, you won't find too many that you could put above him. Um, and the nonsense to say he doesn't have the X-factor. You know, when a guy can play passes like Hoddle at certain times, um, can head a ball, shoot with both feet, England captain, I'm not sure what more um, he has to do to suddenly get the respect that he deserves. It it can only be, it's just pure jealousy, I think, that gets this way um, and causes the problems for him. But you know what? Long, long may it continue, because as long as he's in our colours doing what he's doing, he's got the X factor for us, the great thing as well is I I think for Harry I don't think he even gives these sorts of comments at a second glance you know, he just gets on with his job, does it And thankfully, hopefully, he'll go out and try and prove that person wrong in the next game. And that benefits us because he'll probably go and get a double or a hat-trick or something like that. So it is just pundits who want to get themselves back in the press again and come out with something, say, controversial, you know, like people like Darren Bent, you know, where I'd rather see Sandra (laughs) on TalkSport than Darren Bent, you know. But, yeah, ludicrous statements. And they just make themselves look silly, to be honest. So we really should just sit here and laugh because, I say, really the joke is on them
1: yeah Darren Bent like you can just see the Arsenal win him can't you you, just, you know he hates Spurs and it's just those comments have been coming out the last couple of days you're like Darren what are you on just stick to collecting trainers whatever you do like it's just absolute nonsense although I will give credit to, <laughs> to Paul Merson because he took ownership for his comment he actually owned up for it on Twitter earlier and said look I've got it wrong about Kane so fair play to him and fair play to also the people who have sent in listeners questions this week so let's rattle through those in the last like, 10 minutes or so Chris, I'll start with you. Got a question from at James Bradley 59 He asks about Jack Grealish. Did Levy play too hard when Villa were on their knees in terms of finance? When you're looking at what 25 million in terms of a transfer fee, we look at him now and think, is this the one that got
2: away? oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I think he, I think we messed mess up big time with that one, haven't we? Because now he's blossoming. He's he's winning games single-handedly for Villa at the moment. And I think I read the other day that if they win their game in hand at some point, they can go top of the league. That's so, right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a frustrating one because I do like the whole keeping the core of the, of, the, of the Spurs team English if we can. i like to have a few English players in there. Um, so, yeah, I think it's easy to say in hindsight, isn't yeah. it? Uh, well, you know, it's X amount plus Josh Josh Onoma. Um <laughs> And now that looks like it was a bargain. But, yeah, um, yeah, he would always be looked at by us as now as the one that got away and, you know, what might have been. Because I don't think we'll be going back in for a crazy money. Well, what would the value be? Treble that probably. 75 million, probably. You know, probably something yeah. like that, wouldn't
1: it? Exactly. So I think, unfortunately, it is the one that got away. But hindsight is a wonderful thing and you never know what a player will do once they make that move. So as things stand, yes, but I think we just have to get on. And when you look at our squad, it's not too bad at the moment. Talking of our squad and the person who oversees it, Cole. Yao Sacramento, do you reckon he's been groomed as the heir apparent post Mourinho?
0: I'm not sure on that one. Um. I, I don't see him. He, he doesn't come across to me as someone that you suddenly sit there and think, well, yeah, I could see him taking over. You know, we, we have had situations like that in the past, haven't we, where people have have come in as number twos. The one I can possibly see at the moment being groomed more than him is possibly Ledley um, to a degree. You know, I would sit there and say that Ledley might be someone who the club are possibly thinking, well, if we can get him in and around Jose learning his trade, you know, he may be the one that suddenly, at some point, if Joe say suddenly has another couple of years and we're looking for a manager, you could see them possibly turn into someone like that. Um, but I, I don't think so with 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 him. I think he purely is just a number two, and I think we've seen in football sometimes people are people are meant to be number twos, and when they take that step up, it doesn't work. And and I see him being one of those people, really.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree, to be honest. I think there's, you know, there's no shame in the role that he has and what he'll do in the future. But when you're looking at who could be the next person or perhaps you know a grooming, if you will, then someone like Lenny King with that club history that he's had and the tutelage he could take under Mourinho would be, I think, a better fit, although he hasn't got any experience at the moment. So, you know, there horses for courses, but I think if I was going in that direction, I'd rather go for King myself. Chris, final listeners' question this week. It's a simple one. It's from at Dan Wheelogram, and he asks, What trophies would you like to see us win this season? But more
2: importantly, which ones do you think we'll win? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Well, the the gut reaction is obviously to say any trophy is great. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, I think realistically, I think the Premier League is obviously the the absolute moonshot. We'd love to be up there and challenge challenging for that. And that would be the dream. Um, Europa League, I mean, is the realistic one. I think the biggest threat we've got in the Europa League is the teams that drop out of the Champions League, which at the moment... You know, Real Madrid, I think, are in third in their group, or something like that. So there's some big names that could potentially come into that and, and mess that up. Um, Carabao Cup, the Mickey Mouse Cups. Do you know? Do we care about that too much? I think again, I'd, it's a trophy, so I'd, I'd be after it to be yeah. honest with you. FA Cup for me is a, a lot about the draw, a lot about how seriously Jose takes it, and you know what's going on in the league at that time as well. I think realistically. I'd like to see us go absolutely full beans for the Europa League. The Premier League will, you know, potentially suffer because of that. But I think you take that one game by game. So, for me, yeah, Europa League is is the realistic uh, target for me.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. If only because of the prize that comes with it, that not only do you get the, the silverware, but you then get into the Champions League. So, if you have to go full beans, as you say, and sacrifice a Premier League campaign towards the end that fizzles out, then if you finish fifth and win... It's not the end of the world. Of course, there's no guarantees in football that you'll get to a Europa League final, win it. You might finish fifth and be runners-up and then you're buggered. So it all depends where you are come March, April, (laughs) really. It's a very hard question to answer right now. But at the same time, don't dismiss the Carabao Cup. We're in the quarterfinals in a month's time, six weeks, what have you. And then it's two matches from Wembley. So that in itself is a very important trophy in the landscape of the season, Carl. Because when you look at Man City, for example, they always use that as the launchpad for bigger things in the second half of the season.
0: Yeah, I think, like as you say, Dan, rightly now, given the fact that we're, you know, we're not that far, you know, we've got a great draw in theory, if you look at it, you know, we can't count our chickens, but you like to think, well, we should, in theory, be going and beating Stoke. Um, And then, as we say, then you're in the semis and you start thinking, well, actually, this could be an early trophy to get done. Jose likes this trophy, and as you say, I think the way you could look at it is, win this one, and you suddenly, hopefully, you'd like to think, set yourself up for a season where you can say, well, listen, that's the monkey off the club's back because that's the one thing that everyone criticises us for right now and, you know, is, is the claim all the time when people talk about Spurs. Yeah, not one, nothing. If you can suddenly get that one trophy in and get it in early... You'd like to think we can then go and build on that and that gives some momentum for the rest of the season. Of course, there's a curse with the Carabao Cup, though, isn't there? Which is, we've seen teams in the past go and win it and then suddenly (laughs) just drop off a cliff and get relegated. season (laughs) over. Um, I don't think that would be the case with us, though. So, I think we'd like to take the City approach, which, as you say, is get one in early, um, set the tone, um, get the players tasting some glory and, and get them wanting it more. And then I think say the league, I think, is probably a step too far for us this season. But if you put the Carabao Cup in the cabinet along with the Europa League, um, then I'd say that's probably, you know, as good as it can get.
1: Yeah, we certainly wouldn't want a 2008-style drop-off where we did nothing for three months of college. (laughs) That's the (laughs) last thing we'd want. So let's hopefully avoid that. But in terms of the Europa League, obviously, Chris, we're back on track, shall we say, from our win in Ludigaretz on Thursday. What do we really learn from that?
2: Well, I think we learned that some of the players that aren't in the team at the moment are just not at the level we need, and they're rightly out of the team. I think I understand that people were saying that you know they've been out of the team for a while; they're going to be rusty. You can't just throw a team of eleven players together and hope that they're going to gel 100% a hundred percent and destroy a lesser team. So. It's a tricky one. I think we're looking at players like Daly Ali. We are thinking, why is he out of the team? Why can't he be involved? And you, th- you saw it on that Thursday night game; he wasn't wasn't at it. And that goes for a lot of the other players as well. It's, it's, it's a tricky one. I don't. I don't know if the players like Winks and uh, that kind of player. <laughs> They're not going to be good enough for the, the, the real big Premier League games. That we, you know, you want to look at the team and trust in every player 100. percent I don't think Jose has that full trust in quite a few of those lads that aren't on the, you know, on
1: the bus going up to these games. Well, I think now we're sort of seeing a natural divide between what is the Premier League team and what is the Europa League also runs. And I don't think players like Deli Ali are really kicking down doors saying, look, you need to be picking me in the same way that Diogo Yotta at Liverpool is like, you know, you can't leave me out at the moment. There's not that kind of similarity. But, Cole, finally for you, what did you make of Rinho's ploy to use the Antwerp rocket just before the kickoff of the Ludigrettes game, and the sense that when your kids have done something naughty and they think they've got away with it and then bang, you hit them like a week later, that you've never really forgotten. So what do you think of that?
0: Yeah, Joe, Jose has those tactics, doesn't he, where he likes to put those mind games in, likes to kind of hopefully fire people up to say, well, listen, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you another chance, but just remember what happened last time we came here. Um, and and it, it's all about mind games and man management, isn't it? You know, he's looking to try and create that spark um, I felt it kind of worked in the first yeah. half, you know, because obviously Ludo you know, that's where they weren't, they, we didn't have much to beat, you know, they were a pretty poor side, to be honest. But then at the same time, we did everything we needed to. You know, some of the play in that first half was great. It was, you know, Winks was playing forward passes with, you know, power and precision. And we were cutting through them. And and we should really have been a lot more comfortable than we were come the break. Um, and, And it looked encouraging. You at least thought, well, okay, you know, yes, we know, as you said, this is the Europa League team. But we're seeing some players who actually look like, oh, they might be taking it by the scruff of the neck and saying, well, I'll give you a problem. Um, Unfortunately, when the halftime whistle went, it looked like everyone just shut off again, didn't it? And when we come out for the second half, it, it went back to being a very disjointed performance. As you say, no one then started standing out where you're thinking, well, come the next Premier League game, I'd now be sitting there thinking of you. You know, if Winks had carried on, in the whole game, the way he'd started the first half, you might have been thinking, well, he might be giving Jose a slight problem here. But he dropped off. And I think, as as Chris said, no one there, I don't think, has given Jose a headache to make him change what he thinks his first team in Premier League games will be. Um, But we just have to hope that they're, they're good enough right now for the Europa League, which they are we've got to hope some get some minutes in and eventually we have to hope that it may be, you know, players like Delhi in that clip, they find that form and then they do start giving Jose some problems. But, you know, yes, some of them, I think, kind of just let themselves down a little bit from an encouraging start.
1: Yeah, certainly agree with that. And also that it's quite imperative that we can get qualification done early because then we can really just play the kids, play the fringe players and focus on the Premier League big matches that are coming because otherwise you've then got to Go to you know, Lask or something, get a win there, and then you've got you know City, Arsenal, whatever to follow. You think oh we don't really want that, so it's important to get it wrapped up, and that's why dropping three points to Antwerp was a bit of a pisser. But we are where we are, and we're also at full time. So before I wrap up this week, there's a bit of homework for all you listeners, and that's because we're now in the international break, of course. And next week we're going to do something different, which we mentioned last time, which is a Harry Redknapp era retrospect episode. So basically. We want your thoughts on that era, because that was a long time ago, and I can't remember all of it, so I need a bit of a memory jolt. So, it's open to anyone. You can tweet me, at DanTracy983. Cole, what's your Twitter account?
0: Good question there, Dan. I think yeah. <laughs> at it's K- <laughs> at, K- <laughs> at K- Grill, um 2012 I think, or something, something like, like that. Something like that, yeah. If you type um, in yeah, at KG. K- I'll G- be tagged, but yeah, so yeah send, send us all your, your redneck <laughs> thoughts. Um, yeah, because as you say, it's an era that seems a long while ago now, but. You know, say, there, there was some brilliant stuff during that time.
1: Yes, yeah, so we're going to have a chat about that. So, any sort of insights you've got, forks, memories, chuck them our way and we'll dissect them next week. So, to do the admin now, I just need to thank Chris for your return to action this evening. Thanks for that, mate. I hope you enjoyed
2: it and you'd like to come back on the show soon. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Always good to talk about a win. So, yeah, happy to come back, hopefully, for some more. Yep, top man. We'll have you back soon. And, Cole don't go
1: anywhere because next Monday we'll be chatting Harry Rednap as promised.
0: Looking forward to it, mate. Um, and say, it's going to be a brilliant episode, I think, that one. So, yeah, say everyone get, get your questions in or get your thoughts in or great memories from that era um, and, and look forward to that, Dan. Top
1: man, Carl. Right. With that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy and, as always, come on, you Spurs.
0: For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts. Download the free KOIS app now from the App Store and Google Play.